Hey there. Um, this is a little mini intro to the show uh, because Chris and I didn't have a shot uh, to do something we really meant to do, and I'm so apologetic. So this goes out to one of our fans, uh, Cecile, who uh, wrote to us after last week's uh, episode and offered up a germ of a plot idea and said, riff on this. Let's see what you come up with. So um, I quickly ran over to, just a moment ago, I ran over to Facebook. I looked at what she she wrote. And she says, basically, the plot is um, a girl, a little girl, um, I guess is up in the attic of her grandmother's house. And she finds this old book. And uh, in looking through the book, she discovers a secret. That's that's the, the germ of the idea. So I'm just going to quickly roll with this one as a way of apologizing to Cecile for not including this in the episode. Um, okay, so a girl is in her grandmother's attic. She's staying over the the, the, the summer uh, because the parents have gone away. First solo vacation the parents have had in a while. So the little girl is is maybe like eight years old, and uh, she likes her grandmother, but her grandmother seems a little weird to her. You know, not not really strict, but just kind of you know not like mom, not like dad. Uh, so she's roaming the house trying to get a sense of this place. It's not like where they normally live, and let's just say that uh, the parents and the little girl live in a, a town, but it's more up. You know, upscale. Um, as, you know, there's a certain amount of money in the area. The house is new and all that. Whereas grandmother has an old house and uh, she's lived in it for forty some odd years. So anyway, the girl is roaming through the house. She finds the uh, stairs to the attic, and in roaming through the attic, uh, she finds you know the usual things you would find: boxes, books. Um, furniture that nobody's using. Uh, there's dim blue light coming in through the windows. Uh, there's like uh, thin white curtains that are a little gray from dust and things like that, but there's enough light in there. And and she finds um, um, a trunk and she goes through the trunk and finds the usual things that one would expect. But then in trying to close the trunk, uh, she hits a stud on this. And it's like in one of those old trunks with the metal trim and all that. She hits a stud on there and a secret pocket pops open. And she pulls out this book. It's an old journal. It's it's leather bound. It's worn. Uh, the pages are frayed on the edges. Uh, it looks like it might have been really, really cheap and inexpensive whenever it was purchased, whenever that was. And when she opens the the book, she's looking at it, and she's she can read, you know. So she's reading some of the words, and it's um, it's written. You know, let's see. Um, it's it's written as if uh, in pencil. All right, but you know, hard, hard, hard press. That's what the person had pressed hard, and um, the words are very simple, and and almost as if they're uh, um, uh, written by somebody very young, maybe a child uh, also. And as she's reading that, she recognizes some of the phrases and things, and she thinks, "Oh, I've heard my grandmother say this before." Um, but then she also realizes that some of the phrases are something that she has said or thought. And that the journal is talking about some ideas or dreams or things that she might have had. And the more she reads through the first few pages, the more she begins to feel like she knows this material. She's heard this before, but not through her grandmother, but somehow she knows it. And it begins to sort of spiral and spiral and spiral until she suddenly realizes that what she's looking at is something that she wrote many, many years ago. But how is that possible since she's only eight years old? And she finally finds a date in the book, and it's... It's the early 1900s. Okay, that's as far as I got with it. Um, it's three minutes and 40 seconds. So hopefully, um, Cecile, you'll forgive us for not doing it during the show. And now, on with this week's episode, episode 132 of Tell the Damn Story. You, 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 Alex Simmons. 
I'm sorry. Do I know you? Damn story, Alex Simmons. It is, I don't know, episode 1,469 or something. Close. Holy cow. <laughs> we here in the wasteland of what used to be our lives are still telling you to tell the damn story. Alex Simmons, how are you on I this gray real. and rainy day? I would like to thank my, my parents for bringing me into the world. No, uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm, this, is, this is one of those... I'm happy to be anywhere. 30 seconds. Bye, no, but serious, folks, try the deal. Uh, this is one of those moments where I start off by saying I am thankful for what I have. And what I have right now is my family is safe. And I'm, I'm still functional. I still remember my name. Uh, I'm hanging out with you, which is always fun. A lesson in life, most assuredly. Um, and uh, we're still thinking, we're still thinking and we're still creating, we're still doing in the middle of all this other garbage, as you know, like Tarjay, you know, garbage in the middle of all this, there's still good. There's still good. There's still greatness. There's still wonder and creativity. So, Hey, good to see you. And I agree. I agree. I agree. And I've been, uh, I'm glad to see you. Always glad to see you. Great yeah, founding uh, uh, figure That's for okay. me. So thank you very much. Yeah. And I'm glad to uh, be able to talk. Uh, hopefully there's people out there who benefit from this because that's why we do this. And um, yeah, I've been I've been writing every day. Uh, I've been writing a blog every day. Uh, Pandemic pluses is what Pandemic. it's called. I'm to try and fast. <laughs> I said, try saying that and six times. Pandemic. pandemic plus. You can. I, I, I got two. I choose not to. Yeah. Um, but the idea is to find the, you know, find the good in, in what has become the grind, you know. Mm, which is actually um, the name of this episode. Yes, it's definitely. And We uh, don't mean that to fun dancing fun. thing either. We don't mean that, you know. No, no, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Um, I want to start with an anecdote from last night. As a matter of fact, it's going to be spoilers for one of the two blogs I put out this morning. But so um, uh, creatives are doing a lot of things um, to offer creativity, um, keep people um, entertained or distracted or thinking and that kind of stuff. There have been a lot of celebrities who have done free concerts. And I'm about to talk about one of them. Uh, Brian Keane and his... Uh, cast over there, at least partially his cast over there at the Brian King, uh, the horror show with Brian King, which is a podcast I listen to. They put out um, a free book, uh, anthology of short stories, uh, just kind of low key. It was on his Facebook page and uh, started reading it last night. First story is Buck Wild, absolutely Buck Wild. Um, uh, and I, it, I think it bodes well for the rest of the episode, uh, rest of the uh, book. Is that so. the name of the story, or is that your reaction? No, um, it's called Midnight, Midnight Calls, or something like that, or Midnight Horrors, something like that. But if you go to Brian Keene's Facebook page, you'll K E E N E K E E N E, yeah. Um, but great stuff. But that's not the anecdote. Oh, um, so. <clears throat> Friend Roger, uh, that's a guy who I've known since I was five years old. Yesterday and gets in touch. He, he has always assigned me things, assigned me culture. You know, he he assigned me more books to read and better books to read than my English teachers in high school. Was, wow, uh, probably. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, he's a couple months older. That's it. You know, he's December or March, that kind of thing. Um, but like we'd have these jeans jacket with the pocket inside, you know, and he'd come over. It would look like a drug deal, you know. He'd be like, hey, yeah, yeah, yo, yo, put this in your pocket, you know. And it would be Ken Kesey or it would be Jack Kerouac or, or uh, Sid Arthur or uh, uh, Herman Hesse or Steppenwolf, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, and I, if he said so, I would read it and uh, really broaden my horizon. So I'm always in debt to him. So yesterday he gets in touch and he says, uh, got to go check out um, Americana Histories on, um, on Facebook. And I was like, oh, well, what is it? And he said, they're, they're kind of an organization that is hosting online concerts, you know, of kind of Americana-type artists, you know, country or blue-class or song, songwriters, singer-songwriters. And last night, one of the guys that he turned me on to, and we're big fans of, a guy named James McMurtry. Um, you know Lonesome Dove? Yep. The book? Yeah, that's his dad. And oh, his okay. he's put out about a dozen albums, and um, he'll play like um, the Wine Factory down uh, down Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Wine, yeah, yeah. So uh, that size crowd and that kind of thing. But he's just he's fantastic. And um, so he was going to be on at nine fifteen. So we did everything we had to do. Got ready. Here we are watching it and texting each other back and forth. It's just like sitting next to him at a concert. And then the last song, uh, he goes a little over his half hour. And he, he introduces the last song, which is, talk about pulling from the way back machine, right? Mm-hmm. Way uh, deep cut. He says, this is a, <clears throat> this is a song that uh, played during the credits of the film Sometimes a Great Notion based on the book of the same title by Ken Kesey. Mm-hmm. And he says, and uh, it's kind of uh, relevant to what we're all going through today. And then he says his only thing, only current affairs thing, he said to the whole show, he says, uh, I'm going to paraphrase loosely, so James, if I got it wrong, Mr. McMurtry, I apologize. Um, he says, uh, you know, this virus uh, it thrives on us. And it doesn't care what culture or color you are or what religion you are, what school you went to, or your economics or your politics. And it, uh, it is aggressive, you know, it uh, snuck into the White House and attached itself to a, a member of Vice President uh, Pence's staff, and it snuck under the door at 10 Downing Street and attached itself Prince Charles, who we are, what differentiations we might have applied to ourselves or to each other. This virus doesn't care. And neither should we. Mm. I've been thinking about that. You know, I kind of heard the last song. (laughs) (laughs) But 
He sang something after that. I'm not really sure. And the Hellman's mayonnaise commercial. The idea that if this if this virus is anything good, it's scientific medical proof that there's no difference uh, between us. Yeah. Right. We are. It's more common than there are difference. There's more that unites us than tears us apart. And, you know, that we could become uh, as wise as a virus, that would be great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, uh, I really loved that, uh, that he said that. And, you know, again, we keep, we keep finding ways to get us through the grind. And that, you know, that little notion... Uh, that helped a lot, especially today with the great I, weather that we have. I can't. And we were talking about. Wait a minute! I can't right? let you get away. I can't let you get away or, or or move away from that just yet, only because you know whatever that six degrees of separation thing is that 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 magic in the universe that that algorithm that you know that that is mm-hmm. throughout all mankind. But you mentioned that, and you mentioned the line in particular about the virus not knowing or not caring about color, boundaries, borders, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. For the past... Well, McMurtry said that. I just... Well, yeah, yeah, I I understand. But for the past (laughs) past couple of months, um, and we're going to talk more about this, you know, again, in terms of avoiding the grind or dealing with it, but the past couple of months, I, you know, I go on YouTube every now and then for a break, and I pull up old films, old TV shows and things, and I watch them you know, see what what stood the test of times and what surely did not. And I found this old, and for anybody, I think maybe below the age of 45 or 50, this name may not mean anything to you, but there was a a British comedian many, many moons ago named Terry Thomas. And he was in like The Great Race and a bunch of other, you know, big budget films of that era that were fun and everything. He was a great comedian. Uh, but anyway, he did this one particular movie. It's called A Matter of Who. Right? That's the title. And in it, he plays a type of detective for a World Health Organization. Who? Right? And they're dealing with a potential outbreak of the plague. And he actually has a line in the early part of the film where he says, germs basically don't care about who we are, what we are, where we come from. You know, they know it's one world, even if we don't, is the line. Yeah. That's great. That's a great line. And this is is something from 19, I don't know, 1959, 1960-something. You know, if I find it while we're talking, I'll bring it up, but or I'll put it in in the comments uh, when we post. But it's just, it's that thing of where that certain messages go around and around and around and around and around, and only some of us hear it. You know, but it's yeah. always being said somewhere. It's always being said. And it's worth repeating. So that's yeah. what we did here today. It's yeah. necessary to repeat it because some, somehow folks keep forgetting it. Yeah. But anyway, I just wanted to true, bring that true, up. True. I just wanted to bring that's that up. That's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but it's, you know, again, it's another effort to, um, to deal with the grind. Mm-hmm. And uh, life... Uh, I mean, it has happened in other countries, but now it's our turn. Life has become a grind, you know. Um, was speaking to one of the, one of my sons, his uh, his girlfriend, 
and uh, she says, there's only so many Netflix movies or shows you can watch. <laughs> I said, wow. When 20-somethings are getting sick of Netflix, yeah. this is something to think about, you know? And, I, and, you know, we went for a walk. Just minimum we were going to do was a mile. Just had to get out. And it's raining, and we didn't care. Mm-hmm. Just to get out and... Most of the time, we saw nobody. Nobody. You know, we had to drive. Uh, to, uh, we had to pick something up or whatever. You know, get some supplies. We did a supply run. And no one on the road, you know, like three cars, you know, going to a store. And I started worrying about how many people will be there and how close will we be there? I'm like, this, you know, I was listening to um, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard, uh, Fat Man Beyond, uh, Fat Man Beyond, uh, one of their Fat podcasts. Man Beyond? Yeah, because he's not fat anymore. Oh, oh, okay. And, uh, okay. It used to be, it used to be Fat Man on the Batman, you know, and they needed to get, and it, they wanted to get the name Batman out of there before they got sued. So Batman Beyond is pretty funny. And when Kevin Smith was on his movie tour, uh, which will come back in a minute, uh, Mark Bernardin did it, and he's African-American, so he was calling it Black Man Beyond, which is really funny. Um, so they were talking about diamond distributors. The... The main, main, if not if not the only, right? The, no, the, the main, main comic distributor. Yeah. Right? And uh, they sent out notification that they're not distributing anymore for the foreseeable future. And the combination of doors being closed down because of local or state rulings, um, their own pressure from their government to close their place and you know just the it was just became too complicated to try and still have a coherent business so they're not distributing new comics and uh for the you know for the length of this and the two of them were talking about this could destroy i mean there are only so many comic book stores in America to destroy another half of them. And Kevin knows what he's speaking of because he's a co-owner or maybe the owner, I don't know how that runs, of um, uh, Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash in Red Bank, New Jersey. It's a rather large comic book uh, shop. And they were talking about how this might change the comic book industry. That those comic book shops may become like the vinyl shops that are in existence. You know, there's a couple around and that kind of thing. And they do a lot of online ordering and people do some foot traffic, but mostly it's online. Or they come in looking for something special. And they're thinking it might be the death of the floppy comic book. You know, that might just be digital. And then they'll, you know, companies will put out trade paperbacks for those who still want hard copies and that's interesting or make made to order uh floppies if you're willing to pay 25 dollars or some you know 
exclusive price. Like, you know, we, if you want to buy a new version of an old vinyl record, you spend some money, you know, it's not three ninety nine anymore. Like it was when we were kids. Right. Um, so I, I thought that was fascinating. I don't have an opinion and why should I as to whether they were accurate or inaccurate, just that the conversation exists, you know, and that uh, uh, Diamond did this, you know, it starts to dawn on us that things are going to be changing, you know. Uh, movie houses are going through the same thing, you know. They're not open. How do they come back? What is it going to be like? They are moving companies and now sell, uh, selling some of their new releases. The Invisible Man, um, Blood the Hunters. Blood. Yeah, was it blood, blood, uh, bloodshot, bloodshot, yeah. bloodshot? Yeah, blood clots a whole different. Movie. Yeah, right. Um, uh, but that's coming out streaming. Your <laughs> woman, they're talking but, about streaming immediately. Yeah, these are these are streaming, yeah. and we checked them out. They're asking twenty dollars to rent. Or to, uh, Star Wars, you can buy it for twenty bucks, but it's coming out Tuesday if you're a, a disc type person. Um, but now that might be a thing. If, if that catches on and people say, oh, I want to see a new film, I'm willing to get a couple, you know, uh, husband and wife would pay 20 bucks to go to the movies anyway, probably more. More, yeah, because it'd be anywhere right? from so, depending on the theater. Not to so mention 20, goodies. Not to mention whatever you're going right. to buy. Yeah. Right. So that might, you know, that might kill a bunch of movie houses. I, you know, again, the, we're talking about the grind, but it's also the slow dawning impact that, you know, everyone's talking about. I can't wait to go back to life the way it is. I don't know that we're ever going to go back completely to life how it is or how it was. I'm not sure, <laughs> you know, we, we all said, oh, my God, music is going to die. Remember when uh, uh, the everything started going with uh, online and yep. you know, ripping everything? Oh, my God, music is going to die, right? We had no concept. And music is as strong or stronger than, you know, they don't, the artists don't make as much money from sales. It's more of a model that was uh, like the 60s where they would get a hit single, but it was the touring where they made all their money. It's mm -hmm. really back to that now. But... Yeah, but I think, you know, again, just on that level, um, and I don't know if it's going to work the same way for films, but I do know that on that level of music, musicians and bands and things are much more in a position now because of technology to own their yeah. item. You know, yeah. you can produce this. Well, it, that was, there was a story um, about an artist, and I, I'm, I'm going to tell it the way it was told to me, and I'll make it quick. I was uh, The way it was told to me... Um, I, was, I believe it was it was either his Rick name Beach. was Robert Johnson. No, go right. ahead. no, it was it was, it was John Philip Sousa. Uh, but it, <laughs> so it yeah, was, it's one of those current guys for Alex. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, <laughs> it was I, I I was told, and it might have been Ricky Lee Jones or an, another uh, female singer like her, but they had mm -hmm. a contract with Columbia Records, literally records. Remember those things, and um, was doing really well. Did the first album did just just blew out the stores and it was great and everything. So immediately the company was on this artist to get in the studio again, cut the next album, cut the next album. And the artist is basically saying, uh, that's not how I work. You know, I've been a musician before I had the contract. 
I work on material. I write my original songs. I take them and I do them in clubs and things like that with my band. We find we'll the best, yeah. and then we, you know, then we record. And they were no, 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 no. You got to right. strike while the iron's hot, and whatever other you know jargon they threw at her, and she just refused. So right. someone got a bug up their butt, you know. Instead of saying, "Well, okay, you're an artist, uh, we'll work something out," they got a bug up their butt, like, "Oh, really? You're going to give us a hard time? You think that you're all that? You think that we don't? You know, okay, fine." So when the next album was, when she was ready to do her next album, they gave her all kinds of grief, and they, they dragged on this, they dragged, they put it out, they didn't put any oomph into it, and then as soon as possible, they they canceled the contract. As if, okay, there's a death knell for you. It's over. And what this artist did, and as I said, I, I believe it was Ricky. It's a while ago. But either way, what the artist did was, well, you know, I live like in like New Hampshire. I live like in Maine or someplace up there. I come from a small town. You know, it's an active town, but it's not, it's not New York City or whatever. But I know some people up there. And, and I, I was a musician before I met you guys, and I still am. So what she did was, and I love this, this is when when CDs were still kind of new right. and cool, right? She, she built her own recording studio there in the town. She and the band recorded all her stuff. They got somebody in town to set up a CD burning you know, facility. They burned her, her own stuff. They went on, on their own road tour. Let's face it, you know, the first album or so got the name bigger, so there's fans all over the place. Bottom line, she got together a mailing list, went on tour, sold it, and had a nice money-making income career for several years thereafter. I don't know what happened to her beyond that. Yeah. But I know for at least a good well, three years, she suddenly became her own, not suddenly, but she became her own answer to that problem. And I don't know that now things are the way they are. I don't know that there's not other pathways back from this to some new oh, well, Alex, of a thing i mean and alex now they if you have a laptop yeah a couple of mics and a external hard drive you got a recording yeah. studio you're good to go yeah and you and know? you don't need to burn a cd or a dvd or any of that because yeah. you can just upload and stream and there you go you know but yeah. the, honestly, i want to go i want to go back to film i just wanted to say their pathways back from yeah. certain things, and sometimes we see them ahead of time, and sometimes people stumble over them. Anyway, I'm sorry. So, what were you saying? Well, I want to go back to the film and then the comic things, but um, we so we don't know what the future of films would be. But um, Kevin Smith, just before quarantine happened, he had come back from a tour, right? That was written up in Forbes magazine. Oh, he didn't. Uh, uh, his latest movie is called Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Mm -hmm. It's a really clever, absolutely packed with stars satire on the idea of Hollywood rebooting everything. Right? In fact, it reboots his own movie, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, in exactly the same way that he hates when Hollywood or whatever that he's mocking when Hollywood reboots something and just changes it a little bit, right? But there was no contract for him for distribution. So they booked the places themselves, the same place where he goes and does his, his talks, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and he and Jay, for most of the uh, um, tour, uh, Jay may have missed a couple of dates, but he hit every one of them. They would go. 
introduce the film live themselves. Mm-hmm. Watch the film with the audience and then talk and do Q&A about the film afterwards. Like the indie. And they were, and they were charging somewhere about 40 to $50 a ticket for this experience. Forbes wrote them up because they made more money per screen than significantly more than any other movie this year. Because they were doing a different package. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Imagine that. You go and, and you see a film that may not be a big Marvel blockbuster or something like that, but you see it and it's the director or the director and writer and the star of the film coming with the film to you and it's like rock star tours, you know? Um, fascinating, innovative way for him to make his films viable at a time where the old model, no, we don't have any more use for you. Well, I, I mean, actually, I mean, I'm not, not taking anything away from Kevin. I mean, that's great. Uh, at the same time, that's actually a model that's been around for a long time. The thing that makes it work as well as it did for him is he's got this established celeb name because the, in, a lot of independents have been doing that for generations or decades anyway. You know, and, uh, it's, uh, and they, it's, small, it's his... they have the small movie theaters, the small little right. uh, venues where they get to do this. They, they're not, right. you know, Kevin Smith. You know, the only time well, it's really wonderful but, for them is they have a star in their film who pulls more audience true. and the tickets are higher. But the thing that, that he does that makes all the difference is that he uses social media mm-hmm. to constantly curate and expand and keep in touch with his audience. Yeah. Whether it's Twitter or Insta, whether it's any of somewhere between it's usually three to five podcasts he's got going at any time. Um, he's he's running the show. He's show, the showrunner for the reboot of Masters of the Universe. They're going to do the cartoon. The Yeah, he's got that going. He's talking about that. He's in this thing. He's working on this thing. He's always working. He does. How about this? The, the, the Fat Man Beyond. He does it with Bernardin in um, the Scum and Villainy Cantina in Hollywood. So it's a live gig that he's getting a chunk of the door for. Then it becomes a podcast, and it's content to promote him and his brand and. You know, it, and he's always giving content that people want to have. So when he comes around and has this thing, they also let's go see him. Yeah, well, you know, like it's, it's that kind of he's hustle, built that kind of grind that you know it's. it's I, I find it endlessly fascinating. Some people laugh because they oh Tusk, uh, yeah, well, he well, went through a I, creative period that was weird. Laughing is not affecting his bank account nor his process. Not at all, bro. <laughs> Obviously, uh-huh. you know. And and you know, actually, there's so, another artist who who who's, who did, you know, who built his own brand, built his own world, and a lot of people were laughing at him. And I I may not love everything he does at all, but nevertheless, you cannot you cannot fault the the, the accomplishment. And that's Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry started, well, he, you know, he started by writing plays for the Black Belt, if you will, doing you know the Church Belt. Where he'd do these plays in these venues, like movie, not movie theaters, but theaters or concert arenas, and 
and a black church is full of, you know, busloads of people would come and see these plays. And that was how he was making his money, rolling across the United States, doing this back and forth until he had enough capital to start doing his films. And then he starts mm -hmm. to do media and they'll say, you know, so there are people who have found a formula, and I don't mean that in a negative way, they found the, 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 the routine, the methodology, uh, the, the, the product that they need to create to build their media empire. And they've yep. worked it. They've worked it. And you got you got to give them props for that. You just absolutely have to. You now, know, we're going to take that mind. mindset. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you can laugh at them. Not you, but you know, people can laugh at them. Or be dis but bottom line is, hey, they said, I want to make something happen. And they found a plan, made a plan, and went forth, and they did it. And that's that's part of the determination of what do you do with lemons? <laughs> you know? What do you do with yeah, lemons? Yeah. You know? And I want to I want to take that mindset and that question, what do you do with limits, and apply it to our current grind, which is this, yes. this quarantine grind, right? Every single one of us lives somewhere, right? Uh, you look if they're looking at the visuals, they'll see there's books all behind me, there's books all behind you. There's also this face behind you, too, which I've, I've not mentioned till now. Half hour, that face staring back at me, sitting behind you. <laughs> that's Richard Nixon. And yes. that's part of... That's Folks, part you want of to know where results. he was. He's at Chris's that's house. part of the sitting. results of what? What? No, I was going to say, he's at Chris's house, waiting to come on the show, right? That's right, there's Richard. Um, that's part of... the what we're going to talk about with the grind today right and that's called uh treasure hunting you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. uh and what i mean by that is poof, when you when you he, you know hear or when you feel like um that young lady felt which is only so much netflix you can watch you know and where the you know how many more walks can you take the dog on or this or that okay Go and take a good look at your house, right? Um, I had to do uh, um, a picture for my school. We were all doing a picture that said, hey, and the name of uh, our school mascot is Comet, right? So, hey, Comets, right? And uh, everyone's going to write a little message. But for me, I'm always telling people to read. So I went through my bookshelves and just made these big, two big piles of books, all these different kind of genres and classics and comics and all this sort of stuff and and then i stood between them lit probably with uh the hey comet sign which is still around the den here it is hey comets yeah um hashtag hey comets uh, yeah hashtag hey comets and you can still do a hashtag hey comets you can see this film it's about three four minutes long um and then my shirt said fight evil read books which is some company and uh and then it was all the books right and uh, in doing that, I stumbled across the idea of treasure hunting because the books I piled up, I was like, oh my God, I forgot I had this book. Oh, I want to reread this book. I want to go through. I, I, I pulled Planet Hulk out. Said, my God, that was a great trade pair. You know what? I'm going to go through it again. You know, I just reread The Long Halloween because that was really great. Yeah. But it, while I was doing that, this... In case you don't know what he's referring to. Right. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. While I was doing this, I found I found Nixon. Nixon was in my closet up on one of my top shelves. Well, we'll, we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's a big old, God, 
this Nixon mask, the full head Nixon mask, has been around my house God, longer than the goddess, I think. I think I may have had it uh, before I met her. Oh, my God. And dear. I just, I never got rid of it. So, uh, so I put it on yesterday, and, uh, or two days ago, and I went over to uh, T. I said, let's go for a walk. And she looked at me, she goes, you are not leaving the house like that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, it will give people something to talk about. She would not budge. The <laughs> goddess would not budge. She's so, not having uh, it. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, so he wound up behind. Now, if if we do a video version of this, he'll people will be able to see him, and then the Nixon estate will sue us. That'll be good. Uh, so what we're suggesting today is to defend <laughs> the grind. Hills, yeah. Go, <laughs> go and search your house. Look at where your books are. What books do you actually have that you have meant to read but you never got around to it? You know, go through your old videos. Oh my God, I forgot I had this. Let's watch it. Um, one of the things Tina and I did uh, yesterday, well, we had an impromptu U2 fest because we're about to do, and I'll talk about what we're about to do because that was another discovery. And we said, oh, we should have some music. And I looked over, you know, uh, the guys got us this little jukebox that played CDs because, you know, old dudes, we still have CDs, right? right. Um, <laughs> and we had next to it all these big box sets deluxe box sets of like this classic album, you know, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, and of course, a bunch of you two. So I put them all out on the table and I said, pick one and we'll kind of, we'll just explore. Because there's the album and then like outtakes and remixes. Mm -hmm. We're going to be doing what we're doing for a couple hours. So she picked uh, Octoon Baby. Octoon Baby's deluxe set has Octoon Baby U2's 1991 Game Changer, and then the quick follow-up Zuropa, and then B-sides and dance club remixes and covers, uh, all sorts of different. So we just put all that on while we were doing the next discovery. Again, search your whole house, right? So one of the things we did was we searched the kitchen and I look up, we got this nice fridge, and I look up on top of the fridge, there's a wok up there. <laughs> we haven't used the wok. You know, I don't know how long. I said, honey, we got a we got a wok it today. Say? So yeah. so we looked at what we had and we had, luckily had the ingredients we needed and we got everything prepared. Um and then we cooked in a wok, which is, you know, it's just what did you cook? We walk well. We had um, what was we it? Beef. We had beef cubes that we sliced up, and then we sliced up a red, a red pepper and a green pepper, broccoli, carrots, some onions, and then of course cooked some rice. And then you mixed it all together and all that stuff. On my Instagram, Chris Ryan writes. You can see a little video I made, and I'll tell you about that too. Another way to beat the grind. Um, I made it with iMovie. I had never used iMovie before. I'm sure all the kids are laughing. We use it every three minutes. Yes, you did. But, um, and then I, I edited it down. And it was very smooth, you know. Um, so, yeah, we walked. We walked to walk and roll. Um, oh, God. Yeah, we walked uh, some stir fries, which were pretty cool. And um, they were cool enough for your godson and his girlfriend. They were hanging around. 
yeah, had a social, you know, social distancing. We were hanging out seven feet away from each other. Yeah. Um, sure. I'm sure. Cause, <laughs> don't don't we all? Yeah. Um, but they, I mean, it's just uh, at max, there's six people in my house and a couple animals. It's not crazy going on over here. So uh, they smelled the cooking and then they came down. So uh, they grabbed some food too, which was such a delight because you know you get the certain you know you got older kids. Yep, yep. And right. getting to sit down to dinner is kind of harder, you know. Well, ours, so, ours are sitting down to dinner, and also because uh, their mom is is you know she this is part of her, her 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 legacy with her family, with her her parents and and relatives is pull out the games, pull out the. The board games, pull out Uno, pull out <coughs> category, pull out all this, and so we we over the the years have played numerous games, and so this has come out now. This is going back in the closet and starting to pull these things out. So there have been several nights of Uno categories. Mm-hmm. There was um, the like, treasure hunt, treasure hunt. You yep, found yep. them in your house. Little suckers out there, and the dogs are sitting there because you know, it's, it's happening in the kitchen. The dogs are going, we're in the kitchen. Uh, where's the food? You know, what, what, where's the food? I mean, I, I know it's 10 o'clock at night, but we're in this space. This is where the food usually... Why aren't, is, is that what you got that, on the table? That's true. Yeah, yeah. And that's they, true, yeah, yeah. It's very confused. Can I eat that little we, um, thing? Yeah. Someone had gave us this. It looks like a little Marshall amplifier, but it's really a card game, you know, it's a, or a trivia game. And it was rock and roll trivia. So we spent about an hour doing that. You know, yes, go around your house, find the things you got that you thought would be really great, and then you never got to it. Let them be great. You got the time. Let them be great. I'm going to just take it to those who are, are, uh, shall we say, living economically or in the feng shui. (coughs) You know, like you've like minimized your apartment, your studio, your house to the point of where there's, there's definitely toilet paper, but that's about it. Uh, but if you have the laptop, the tablet, or your phone, and you can surf the web, uh, here's one of the things that I did. Uh, and trust yes. me, my house is full of stuff, so I don't have to stick to the computer. But um, in between writing and stuff like that, I got into the habit of my breaks. Sometimes I would jump on YouTube and look for something old, something, some old TV show I used to watch, some old movie. Uh, that we got talking old. Yeah, I'm going to hurt you in a minute. <laughs> you know, reach right through the screen, right, with my cane and beat you senseless. Anyway, uh, <laughs> one of the things that happened was I started, you know, because, I mean, you know, this 70s, 80s, 60s, all I started listening to some of the music from that time period. You know, there's, a, there's online, you will find on YouTube in particular, you will find, uh, like, mixes of various videos, music videos. You know, they'll put a bunch right. of... So I started out with Celebrate by Cool and the Gang. And then... Sure. Connected to... That was connected to The Whispers. That was connected to Shalimar. That was connected to a bunch of... So I start listening to, and I'm going, son of a gun. I forgot about LTD. I forgot about the Gap Band. I forgot about this person, that person. So I'm listening to the songs. And for several days, it's like, you know, you're starting to remember being that teenager, you know, dancing around the campfire. You know, no, anyway, you start to remember those those moments, that energy comes back. You start to connect to people and events and things that were going on around that time. And then for me, because this is the way my head works, I start to wonder, like, except for like maybe people like Marvin Gaye or Michael Jackson or... 
uh, the Point of mm-hmm. or 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 some of the rock groups. You know, you start. To, what happened to those people? Right, right. One or two hits, and then. Ooh. So I start doing some digging online, and you know, this is a good and bad thing, folks. But it's treasure hunting because you ultimately start to find out what life was like for those folks afterwards. And there's a ton of stories out there about it, whether you find it written form, like on Wikipedia or whatever, it's a film star on IMDb, or or, or whether you find there's a lot of people now doing um, their own bios on celebrities or their favorite TV shows or whatever. There's many bios on there, anything from four minutes to a half hour or more. And so there's all of these things that you can find. You start to find out that actors and recording artists that you only thought of in that one realm are actually human beings that had all kinds of lives. And it's yeah. interesting discoveries, interesting reading. And the one thing, the high point for me, the high point, not that I didn't find a lot of interesting things that were really very more important, but my gem of a discovery was connecting the dots. So now when I was a kid, I used to watch uh, several Western TV shows on Saturday morning. You know, like you watch The Lone Ranger and you watch Roy Rogers, but there were also a couple of B-minus heroes. One of them was a range rider and another one was Buffalo Bill Jr. In both of those two shows, an actor named Dick Jones, or Dick West rather, um, was, was a sidekick hero. Behave, behave. Okay, and and he's a young guy, very athletic, did, you know, riding tricks and all this kind of stuff, very energetic kind of, you know, golly gee, almost like Burt Ward, but in the West, okay? You know, that, that Robin kind of, gosh, Batman, right? So that kind of energy, but it was acceptable energy then. It wasn't campy. It was considered golly gee, you know, right? But anyway, so I knew this guy's stuff. I eventually had, you know, years ago read about him. I knew that, you know, he got out of the business after all that. None of that really, you know, hit me as, you know, wow. But this time, as I'm digging and I'm reading about him, I find this major article on him, because he's, he's passed. And it turns out that this kid started out in films when he was four years old. He was the youngest trick writer in the business, blah, blah, blah. Yes, he did some acting in other films. Yes, yes, Nancy Drew being one of them. And since I wrote some of that stuff, that was interesting to me. But the gem was that he was the voice of Pinocchio in the Disney, the classic Disney film. That this was a major gig that he got. And I'm thinking all these years I've seen, I mean, I remember going to the theater to see the film, uh, you know, when it was re-released. I remember getting the the VHS for my kids. You know, I've seen it in DVD form. It's been streamed. Never once did I put those two things together. And just somehow that just adds a different thread to it. And you realize there's so much you don't know about people you've accepted into your lives on one mm-hmm. level. So, you know, from as storytellers, this really interests me because it's yeah. also the fuel that goes behind how we create characters or how we write stories. And in particular with Blackjack, for instance, we sometimes in a Blackjack story, has him, we have him move through a particular time in history where he encounters certain people who were, you know, either uh, actual uh, individuals or fictional characters from that era. 
And so just understanding the era more, understanding how much is behind the curtains of people who come from that time period, it just makes it a richer pool to pull from when you're writing and you're creating. So being excited oh, yeah. about finding things in your own home, who knows what you're going to find out about your family? <laughs> That's true. I'm sure you find some old pictures and all that sort of yep. stuff. Um, if we stay online for a minute, um, I find myself searching uh, YouTube searches for interviews with whoever I'm interested in that mm -hmm. day. You know, like if I'm listening to Peter Gabriel, well, let's see if there's any interviews with him. Or if I'm reading, you know, Stephen King or Richard Price or whatever, um, then you get a whole, like you say, a history. Or you get a deeper understanding or appreciation for, you know, um, I, I have been known to do three or four or five of those uh, interview YouTube recordings. Just mm -hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But, you know, again, it's about uh, not succumbing. Right? You are passionate individuals. You have uh, the things that you're interested in, and you have whether it's laying around your house or hidden in your closets or whether it's, you know, online, there's tons of tools and material out there to help you with the grind because we're not done yet, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the numbers are still going up. It's the pattern that has been in every other country. And now this is, you know, this is us. But we're still, if we use the, the roller coaster metaphor, we're still climbing. We haven't even really begun the ride yet as, as long as it seems that it's been yeah I, you know i i think you, i think you're right and also one of the things that that some people um, even i'm doing now is i'm doing some journaling yeah you know uh to um, get your feelings you for a walk and have a conversation from a long distance what no i was just going to say that you can you can definitely you're breaking write. up i can't hear you you can't hear me I think our signal. I can hear you. Can, I can... Okay, <laughs> I, the signal's doing something. That's for sure. Are you? Um, I don't know if you're freezing or you're just. You're freezing too. Right now you're freezing. You're frozen. Yeah. No. Now you're I'm, moving. I'm... I'll keep talking, and you stop me if. Well, I was just waiting for you because you look like you're frozen. I wasn't doing anything. Oh, okay. Just okay. keep talking, man. We'll catch <laughs> up. Keep talking. If you um, you can write down you know your thoughts and your feelings on a daily basis you know and, and do journaling that way you can also record it uh, which is another thing and you were saying about going for a walk you know record your observations you know the things that you see are sometimes inspirations for thoughts for you know poets do this all the time you know you see something and it generates a feeling or a mood or an atmosphere or recalls a memory and you start to express that through, you know, whatever your medium is. So I think that that's a good, my, my oldest, he likes to go out and take photographs. And so he mm -hmm. will go photograph, you know, either city streets environment, but sometimes he'll go into the park and he'll look for things. And if, if one of the siblings goes with him, then they together, one becomes the model, the other one becomes, you know, the photographer. And, and you're creating a, a, a record, if you will. I mean, it, right now you're just having that experience, but you're creating a visual record of the moment. You're expressing it through well, your Tell him to check out today's New York Times. You can probably find it online. 
It's a section they put out, special section, which they called the Great Empty. The Great Empty. And it was, and it was, it's a photo essay around the world, pictures of the great cities of the world, empty of human beings. Mm-hmm. He went into uh, Mexico to take some of those pictures the other day, but yeah, I will tell him about that. Yeah, yeah, it was. You know, it's it's um well as you said it. This is where we are. Yeah, this is where we are, and and how we deal with it is is really a mark of of who we are and how we are as a society. Um, I I would like to see more. I would like to hear a lot more about people helping than hindering. Uh, I'm I'm Mm -hmm. you know I'm upset by some of the reports about, and I'll just call it. those who are who are, are numb between the ears and are attacking people of a particular culture, race, um, because they're yeah. blamed for what's going on. Um, it, it, I mean, I've said this before. Well, if that's how your thinking goes, then I guess you should really start attacking pigs because we have swine flu. Or you should start, uh, you know, getting upset with other kinds of people because we've named disasters after them. I mean, really, you know, get get real. Right now, everybody's suffering from this. What good can you do, really? How can you serve your community? And, and how can we get through this together without you going, oh, I've got nothing to do, let me go hurt somebody. You know, it's, just, it's ludicrous. There are thousands of things to do that could be beneficial to you and your community and your society. Well, you know, these ideas get marked. Be careful with the ideas that you're allowing into your hand there and there's certain corners of our culture that are marketing these ideas. You have to check yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and why, do you, why, do I, why do I find a, a need to blame? <coughs> I don't see how that improves the situation or, or gets us healthy sooner. Mm-hmm. You know? um, uh, so, so why would you waste your energy uh, in that direction, it is what it is. I can yeah. only only hope and, and you know. So I would I would I agree with what you. What are you going to do? You, you know, you, you get and hopefully down because after a while you cannot spin the numbers. Yeah, absolutely. This, this idea. Uh, attaching blame to a single country was last to redirect away from we need to be doing more and and it doesn't it, it didn't help it didn't stop a single person from catching so you gotta go to what we do need and there have been steps this week forward you know there's money now there's uh some of the companies uh some of the companies were asked to or told to stop manufacturing, but a ton of companies redirected their efforts. Mm-hmm. My son, Sean, who worships the Church of Faith. I'm sorry, you froze again. Uh, he worships a where? The guy who does all the, the Church of Baseball. Ah, the Church of Baseball. Yeah, okay. there's, a, there's a cathedral uh, down the south Bronx where he worships. Um, <laughs> that, uh, I think the vestments are pinstripe, I think. Oh, really? Um, 
So, <laughs> the mantle, yes. But uh, there's a company friend. that does that manufactures all of the fanware, right? Yeah. But there's no market for that dish. So he, he redirected his company to use that same material to make masks and gowns for Hanukkah. There you go. There you go. Yes, they might stripe, or they might look a little bit like like baseball uniforms. A uniform, or what? He's making them and donating them. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, yeah, but see, but that's Those that's are the what kind of things that happen. What is what is the line? Fix the problem, not the blame. Yeah. Yeah. Resolve, yeah. resolve the situation. Help people deal with the situation. Help people get through the situation. Help you and your family get through the situation. Put your energy into that. And and because again, we're doing tell the damn story, and we're almost to that moment where we have to say Ariba Dirty. Um, there's so yeah, many ways. There's so many creative ways to deal with this scenario. And even if you're not a writer or a photographer or a dancer or, or all those things, creatively, there are things you can do. Like like this gentleman you were just talking about, looking at well, we make baseball uniforms. That's what we do. Well, he could have stopped yeah. there. He could have been stuck right there. But creative thinking said, well, wait a minute, we could use the same stuff to make something that will help. So even that is moving yes. itself beyond so, yeah, being stuck. We need, you're still there? We need I'm to here. wrap this up because the tech yeah. is breaking down. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So we're going to say goodbye because, yeah, the tech is breaking up. I'm not sure what's happening. All right. So... So look through your houses, find some stuff to keep yourselves busy, find ways to be positive, be Discover old grind. Yeah, yeah. Discover old movies, story. old stories, old music. All, right. all that stuff. Yeah. We, okay. We gotta wrap it up because the breakup uh, the tech it, is, is breaking up worse and worse. Yeah. So all right. So everybody, thank you very much for being here. Leave your comments, you know where. And Chris, it's always great to talk to you. Everybody take care. Oh, stay, stay healthy. Well, so we'll see you in about a week. Until then, tell that damn story every day. <laughs> take care, Chris. Stay safe. Wash your hands.